And mobilize literally means prepare for action. That, that's literally what it means to mobilize, is to prepare for action. And as the fall semester approaches, we are getting ready to reach out to the college students with the love and the power of God. It is coming soon. School starts, I think, August 31st. Is that correct? That's coming pretty soon, you know what I'm saying? And so, man, we all, as you know, this is the college group of Summit. And so it doesn't mean that you have to go to college in order to come here, but this is the age group we're reaching. And since we're the only church that is surrounded by the dorms of Cal State University San Marcos, I just took it as a promise of God that that's the land that we're supposed to take. You know what I'm saying? Call me presumptuous or whatever, but Jesus said, open your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Open my eyes, I see dorms. You know what I'm talking about? And so, so we're going to, we're, we're, this whole series is mobilized because we're, we're mobilizing, we're getting ready to reach the campus with the gospel and the power and the love of Jesus. And so last week we talked about being a people of faith and, and, and man, just people, we looked at Joshua and Caleb and being people who dare to believe that we could take the campus for Christ and, and people who believe God even when it's contrary to popular opinion and circumstance. That, that's what faith does. Faith, faith chooses to believe in a greater reality and, 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 and it and it looks at the truth of God above all the popular opinion, above contrary circumstances, saying, no, no, this is what God said, and this is what I'm choosing to believe in, and I'm going to move forward in that. So we talked about being a people of faith. And, and so tonight, we're, we are going to talk about prayer, and more specifically, intercession. And so you're maybe wondering what that is. We'll talk about that. Uh, one of my favorite evangelists, Reinhard Bonnke, uh, he's just wild man for Jesus, but man, he probably, I think one of his altar calls in Nigeria, he had about 1.2 million people come forward to accept Jesus. And you're like, how do you know that? Because all of them filled out cards and then got planted to, into churches and stuff like that. So in other words, I like Reinhard Bonnke, uh, being an evangelist myself, uh, I really enjoy people like that. So anyway, he says this, he says, evangelism is an explosive but it needs a detonator, which is prayer. Prayer is a detonator, but it needs an explosive, which is evangelism. Evangelism and intercession are the two feet on which the gospel strides the world. And then in his German accent, God bless you, the gospel. Anyway, if you know who he is, you can look him up and that's how he talks. Anyway, evangelism is an explosive, but it needs a detonator. And what is that detonator? It's prayer. And what's the point? Man, we, we can plan all of these outreaches. We can see amazing things happen and, 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 and uh, or really plan amazing things. But unless we have prayer backing that up behind it, it's not going to explode. Evangelism isn't explosive, but it needs a detonator. And if we don't play, it does never get explosive. You know what I'm talking about? And so tonight we are talking about prayer. We're talking about intercession. Simply put, prayer is communication with God, but intercession is a type of prayer. And we'll see this when we look at this verse in 1 Timothy in just a little bit. But intercession literally means to plead with God on behalf of others. That's what intercession means. It, and so when you think about all these types of prayers and petitions and, and requests and things like this and Thanksgiving prayers and all that, uh, Paul outlines this type of prayer called intercession. Everyone say Intercession. <clears throat> intersection intercession i don't know what is that is there red lights and green lights no no no. it's prayer intercession is to plead with god on behalf of others it is connecting the mercy of god to the need of man and so this is that's what we're going towards tonight and so why 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 intercede because people need help and god wants to give it you know i'm going real simple right here the world needs God, and the one and one of the ways He comes is through intercession, through prayer. And when you pray, you are welcoming God into whatever you're praying for. 
When you do not pray, you're basically saying, God, I can handle this on my own. But when you pray, you say, God, come, because I cannot do anything unless you do something. You with me on this? Prayer is inviting God to come in and move on behalf of whatever we're asking him to pray for. So we pray for our family members. We're saying, God, we need you to do something because I've talked to this person and they ain't listening. And I can do what I can do, but you can do what only you can do. And when I pray, I'm inviting you to come and do something that I can't do. You with me on this? And so we pray and God puts his supernatural touch. God hears our prayers. He answers. And the natural things that we pray for get a supernatural touch on them. Come on, man, we can put our hands to the plow and work hard, but if there's no supernatural touch on it, it's just the arm of the flesh. And God does, God's kingdom does not move forward with the arm of the flesh. It moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me on this? Are you guys alive? You look at me like you're like not sure, like you like praying or something. Come on, man. This is, this is what's changing the world, man. And so, so the thing is, is that another thing about prayer is that it shows dependence on God. And, and that's what I was already outlining is that we do what we can do, but God does what only he can do because I can't change a heart. You can't heal someone. You can't set an addict free. You cannot forgive sins, but God can. And when you pray, you're saying, God, I'm completely dependent on you to do something in people's lives. And not only in people's lives, in our circumstances, in our job situations, in our finances, in our schooling, in, in our health, whatever it is. And we say, God, I cannot do this, but you can. And so I'm praying to ask you to put your supernatural intervention in my life. Does anyone need supernatural intervention in any area of their life? Come on. And so prayer is the avenue through which God does it. It's just the way it is. It's the way that God has set up his kingdom. And so this is, this is shown in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 7. Uh, Paul's speaking, and he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Come on with that. I feel like I should read that again. <clears throat> I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Let's read that together. God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. <laughs> Come on with that. I mean, we do our work, but we can't do, unless God does something, our work is futile. Are you with me on this? We are utterly dependent on God moving in our lives. And how does he move in our lives? Well, one way, prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to pray. You got, you got to pray. You got to pray. <clears throat> we just don't make it today. We got, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> All right, whoever grew up in the 90s. All right. Let me read this. Let me read this verse. This is, this is what I was referring to earlier. First Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Uh, the Apostle Paul is instructing his son Timothy in the faith and saying, this is the deal, man. This, uh, you're leading a church there, and he's giving him instructions on how to lead the church. And he tells him this, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, someone say intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Say everyone. And then he outlines a little bit of people. He says, verse 2, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Side note, Nero was probably the king at the time that he was writing this. And he's saying, I want you to have requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving for everyone, including that wicked king that's killing Christians. Come on with that. That's, that's, a, that's a clear heart. That's a pure heart. 
that, that's a heart that has no, that's not defiled. That's a heart that's not offendable. That's a heart that says, I'm rooted in love. I'm rooted in truth. And I'm able to pray for someone who's, who's wicked and defiled. Not, be, not because they deserve it, but because God wants it and God loves them. You with me on this? And, and, and some of us may disagree with our president right now, but according to scripture for kings and all those in authority, we should be praying for him and thanking God for him. That we, why? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That, that, that's crazy. That means when you pray for the president, you pray for the governors, you pray for the people who are the authorities, our policemen, our fire, firemen, all these people who are in authority in, in, in this place, that actually enables you to have a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. It's crazy because most of the time you, you can go on Facebook anytime and you see everyone complaining about them. I, I, I haven't seen many people putting prayers up for our leaders. I've seen a whole lot of people putting complaints, though, about our leaders, which maybe that's the reason why we're still in the junk that we're in, because people are whining instead of praying. Come on with that. This is, here's a side note. Here, a side note is this. I realize that the people who complain the most do the least. <laughs> Have you noticed that? They, the people who don't do anything, man, they have a lot to say about everybody who is doing something. And, man, I'm telling you, you can Google it, man. Just Google anyone who's making an impact for the kingdom of God. I guarantee you there's a website about them, why they're, why they're heretics. Because there's a lot of people who are doing work, and they don't have to talk trash about anybody because their work proves it for them, that they're actually building the kingdom of God and expanding his work. But the people who talk trash, man, they got websites, they got blogs, they got Facebook posts, they got all that. And then you ask them, when's the last time you led somebody to Christ? Come on, man. You with me on this? And so sometimes, you know, the people who complain the most do the least and the people who don't really have, they have little to say because their work actually shows that they're doing things. So um, anyway, take that one. Um, for, so pray for kings and all those in authority, why that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Verse three, this is good and pleases God our savior. Verse four, who wants all men? Someone say all men. He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I like that, man. I like that. That means nobody is excluded from the, the, the glorious gospel. If Jesus died for everybody, then, then all men, all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Verse five, for there is one God and mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, verse six, who gave himself a ransom for who, what, who, for who? For all men. Again, you see that phrase again, the testimony given in its proper time. And so as you, as you heard, we're gonna have a, a little uh, buffet of preaching tonight. And so myself and Dom and, and Emily are gonna share, but I, the, I'm gonna give point number one here is pray for the harvest. What's been on my heart in the last few weeks is pray for the harvest. And when I say pray for the harvest, I mean for people to be, be, be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What we just literally read. He said, this is good. It pleases God our Savior. He wants all men to be saved and come. What I want you to see, though, in, out of this passage is the link between verses 1, 4, and 6. It says in verse 1, to intercede for everyone, for all men. And it says in verse 4, God wants all men to be saved. And it says in verse six that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all men. So here's what I see. God has a desire. Jesus paid the price for it. And it's our job to pray for it. You see that in there? He says all men three times there. And God has a desire that every man would get saved. 
have their sins forgiven and have a relationship with him and go to heaven. Come on. And then he says that Jesus paid the price. He paid the ransom for it. Ransom means to be a payment that releases people from slavery. And so we were all enslaved to sin at one point, and there's people who are still enslaved to sin at this point, and they're stuck in a prison of sin, and they can't get out, and they need someone to come and set them free. And that's what Jesus did. He paid the price for them. But our responsibility is to pray. And pray that God moves on their hearts. Pray that they would see their need for Jesus. Pray that they would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and sense the love of God. I, was, I, was just, I just love these quotes. Charles Spurgeon was a preacher in the 1800s. And, and he says this. And you've heard me say this before if you've been here uh, for some time. But this is what he says. Until the gate of hell is shut upon a man, we must not cease to pray for him. And if we see him hugging the very doorpost of damnation... We must go to the mercy seat and beseech the arm of grace to pluck him from his dangerous position. While there is life, there is hope. And although the soul is almost smothered with despair, we must not despair for it, but rather arouse ourselves to awaken the almighty arm. And he goes on to say this, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Come on with that. And when I look at that, I go, I get perspective again. This is the deal. This is, this is a preacher in the late 1800s, early 1900s. We don't preach the same way about 100 years ago, we don't preach the same way like they did back then. Back in the day, I think they had it really simple, <laughs> really black and white. You get Jesus, you go to heaven, you don't get Jesus, you go to hell, and nobody was offended about it. And, and, and I understand that over the years, people have misabused that, and people get on campus, and they do weird things, and they have signs and tell everyone they're burning because they're gay and, you know, had an abortion, or just ridiculous stuff like that. And I, and I don't believe in protests. I, I honestly, I don't, I'd rather not hold a sign. I'd rather live a life. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that there can be places for that. Like, I, I think that there can be places for nonviolent type of things, a.k.a. Martin Luther King Jr. changed the entire world and was nonviolent the entire time. Like, I believe in all that. But, man, they, I, what I get, all that to say, what I get when I read this is, oh, yeah, it's really clear. <laughs> it's not, like, really complicated. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, it's so simple, and if we and if and if our job is, as a church is to be the light of the world, then it's so simple, man. It is so so simple, and I get clarity when I read this, and I get I get compassion and I get passion because I realize, wait a second, yes, it's true. Heaven exists. Heaven is for real, like the little boy experience. <laughs> but hell is also for real, and we don't like to talk about that too much nowadays because it scares people and it offends people. But I feel like we would do a disservice if we don't grasp the reality that it's actually there. You know what I'm saying? Because it's in scripture and it's there. You know, it's not made for people, but it's a reality. And, I, and, and, and the deal is like this. When I read this, I get clarity and I go, wow, we need to pray for the harvest. I need to pray. I can't, I can't, I can't just have the explosive without the detonator. Like, I love evangelism. I will evangelize all day. If that was my full-time job, I'd be the happiest dude on the earth if I can get paid to be out on the streets every day preaching the gospel and seeing people get saved. I love that. But I have to realize that prayer, prayer is what prepares the hearts to receive the seed of the word of God. 
It's what plows the ground in people's hearts. I can remember in 2011, we did our first concert in our parking lot, but we prayed. We had our first 24-hour prayer for all this stuff. And I can literally remember at the last hour of our 24-hour prayer, Rob Corona was there and he just said, you know what, guys? I feel like we need to just do a shout like the walls of Jericho. We need to shout for this thing. And I, can, I still remember the moment. And we shouted, man. We're like, one, two, three. Rah! You know, like I'm talking about like shouting, 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 shouting. Something changed in the spirit. I literally saw like a, like a vision of, a, of, a, of like angels pulling back this like portal. I know that might sound kind of random or wild, but there, there was like an invisible wall between us and the dorms and they're just right there. But there was like an invisible wall. And as we prayed, I could see, and, and that whole time I could see angels pulling back this thing that we had our first year at the concert in the parking lot that year. There was a power outage that year. And uh, lo and behold, everyone had to come to our parking lot because we were the only people with light and with food. <laughs> and the gospel. And, and, and James Miller preached the gospel and like 30-something people came forward to accept the Lord Jesus. Whoa. I believe a lot of that happened because there was a people who said, I'm gonna pray. That was the detonator to the evangelism. You with me on this? And so we pray, we pray for the harvest. And man, I, I think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pause right there and have... Brother Dom, come up and share with us tonight. Come on. Not toilet paper. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I was thinking about how to break the ice. That'll do it. All right. So for my portion, I'm so happy that, that happened. Um, yeah, so for my portion, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how we're supposed to pray, how we're supposed to intercede. Um, and so what I titled my point is the power of persistent prayer because I really like alliteration. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to dive right in. In Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, whoever who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I love, I love this passage. I love it because when Jesus commands us to do something, it's never something we can't accomplish with him. You know, he never asks us to do something that with him is not possible. And last time I checked, he says he's with us till the end of the age. And so I love when he gives me something like this because it tells me a lot about the nature of prayer. It's that it's powerful and it is so accessible to us. Jesus says what you need to do is ask, seek, and knock. And when I think about it, I'm like, I can definitely do that. And he says, well, good, because those who ask actually receive. Those who seek actually find. Those who knock actually get the door open to them. Um, and I love that, and it tells me so much about prayer. <laughs> I was reading through the Gospels this week when I knew I was speaking on prayer, and I love it because the disciples sometimes ask questions that if Jesus were with me, I would ask the same thing. Sometimes I still ask it. The disciples go up to him and say, basically, Jesus, we see you praying all the time. How should we pray? We're following you all around. How should we pray? As your disciples, how should we pray? And a lot of us know the first answer, which is the Lord's Prayer. You know, and we've always, I feel like as, as the body, we spend a lot of time on the Lord's Prayer. And it's so good and it's so true. But sometimes we forget that in the book of Luke, after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus actually gives us a parable. Like he says, we should pray like this. And he gives the Lord's Prayer. And he's like, and also it's like this. Um, and so that's what I feel like I'm supposed to share today. And I'm very excited because it's one of my all-time favorite parables. I like to call it the parable of the really irritating neighbor. Um, <laughs> if you're not familiar with which one I'm talking about, you'll about you're about to see. Um, so it's out of Luke 11, verses 5 through 8. And it says, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, 
lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up <laughs> and give anything because he is a friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I absolutely love this parable because it is one of the few times in the whole Bible where I actually look at this guy and I was like, I think I can absolutely be this guy. <laughs> like there's so many people in the Bible, I'm like, I don't think I can do that. You know, it's like with Jesus, like maybe I can look a little like this, you know. This was one of the few people that I saw this parable and I'm like, I think I'm that guy. Because who is that guy? He's needy. Oh my gosh, that dude is desperate and he's okay vocalizing it. Oh my gosh, he's, he's, he's almost like irritating. He's so just after it. And I'm like, I have no problem being that guy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Before I got saved, I was the neediest human being in the world. And that was not good. But then after I got saved, I just learned what I need to be needy in. And it's one of my favorite characteristics that God is still refining in me. But it's, I want to be the neediest person in the world, but I want to make sure it's to God, <laughs> for God, everything. I need God. I can't go far without him. And so when I read this, <laughs> this parable about this truly needy guy, I was like, I think I can do that. Why I think this is such an important picture, um, other than the fact that Jesus himself said it, is because this, this kind of man that's in this parable is something that is not valued generally um, in our culture. Our culture is all about, and I think I've said it before, it's like the self-made man. It's all about independence and what we can make for ourselves. Our culture is so concerned with, no, I don't, I don't need it. It's fine. I got this. I can do this. You know? Our culture really doesn't value things like being super needy. Our culture doesn't value things like being really dependent. Not being afraid to really ask, like, I need help. To the point where it's like, it, it, it's almost like we have problems like getting out of bed and like putting someone out, you know? But this guy, Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? Pray like the guy that just harasses someone. That the reason that he gets up and finally answers him, the reason he finally meets that need, is not even because of the friendship. Although I think it's important in the Christian life that we're sons and daughters of the king. He calls us friend. And even in the parable, it says, you go to your friend. But at the end of the day, I think it's so interesting that it wasn't because they were friends. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean God answers all of our prayers. But I think it's interesting, it says, not because they were friends but because of the impudence of this guy. The fact that the Greek word, it's sometimes translated as persistent, but I love that the ESV here says impudent because that word has that kind of negative connotation that like the Greek kind of implies, which is this idea of like, it is like boldly, like cocky, just shamelessly persistent to the point where it's almost an irritant, like, like the kind of like burr in your saddle. Like this thing is just, it's there and it is not going away and it's being really loud about it. That is what impudence is. That's how it says this guy is. He's not like, okay. He's not like the traveling salesman that when you say get off, he actually leaves. This guy's like, no, I still need bread, dude. And he still knocks. <laughs> you know? It's important to see that because our culture twists that image somehow into like, well, I can't pray like that because that's selfish. Like, I can't do that because that's, you know, that's, that's too needy. If we have a need, <laughs> we are needy. <laughs> I think it's important to see that. And I just... I love that that's how Jesus says to pray. I love it. <laughs> and I think it's so important. I think it's important to even look at that parable in another way, just really, really as literally as possible. Like I imagine this guy walking to this, his neighbor's house, his friend's house, you know, and I think about how that translates for me. Like, so I want to ask you guys some of the questions I asked when I read this parable, which was, when I pray, 
do I actually move to a place where I'm before God? Or do I just stay at my house? I love this guy because he had a need and he didn't just stay at home and said, man, I need some bread. Ooh, okay. No, he went to the place where he knew there would be bread, which is at his friend's house. In our life, when we have a need, do we actually go to a place where we can talk to God, which is in prayer? When we have a need, do we actually make it to the place where we can pray? Or do we bail out at the first step, which is, no, it's okay, I got this. I do need this, but I, I also, I, I also kind of got this, you know? And I look at step two, which is that he actually asks. This is kind of a funny one, but this is one I see in myself and with some of the other people I've talked to about this, this idea that sometimes in prayer, we pray as if God doesn't know our heart and intention already. So sometimes you do this thing, like let's say, I need money to go to school because God says, go to school. So I'm like, well, I need money. How am I gonna pray about that? Well, I'm gonna pray about everything around that and not pray directly to that, because that's kind of selfish. Um, and so I think it's interesting that the second step is he's, he's at the door and he actually asks. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we miss that. Like sometimes I get in those circular prayers and then it's like, actually, you know what? I should be thankful for what I have. And that's true. We should be thankful, but that doesn't mean that we just null and void this thing he gives us that says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. And so step two is when we get to that place in prayer, do we actually ask? <laughs> and the final one is, do we knock? This might be my favorite step of all because this one I feel like proves, <laughs> really, really proves that need we have, really proves that dependence, really proves how committed we are to this thing. Because it's one thing if you're outside that house and it's one thing if you're shouting at the person they don't do anything. It's another thing to knock. It's another thing to keep knocking until the doors open. And I feel like sometimes we fall short. And here's the thing about knocking. I was thinking about this a lot this week, and why I think this is so powerful the more I think about it is that let's say, like the parable suggests, we are that guy on the outside trying to meet that need, going to our friend who can provide. For us, it's going to God, right? If we're outside of that house, unless the house is made of glass, we can't see inside that house. And what that tells me as the person who knocks is we don't know where God is at in that house. We don't know if he's just hearing our prayers or he's a moment away from opening the door. We're not in charge to know, and I don't think it's like wise that we think we know. What is my job as someone who is outside that door? It's to get there, it's to ask, and it's to keep knocking until the doors open. And so I wonder this thing that it keeps me up at night, and honestly, this keeps me praying when a lot of other things kind of wanna distract me from it, and it's this thought that I wonder of how many times, with how many prayers, with how many people, is God right on the other side of that door when we walk away and give up knocking. We don't know. In our prayers, that's the thing that haunts me and gets me back to prayer. It's like, oh, I've been praying for this for a year. Yeah, God is really close to that door. <laughs> we need to remember that. We can't be people that just, and you know what? Different things, obviously, sometimes it takes them a while to open that door. But he, last time I checked, he said, those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door will open. There wasn't like a time limit on that for me. All I know is that Jesus says, this is how it operates. Um, and I love that. And I think it's so important because I think there are big things in our life that we feel like we pray for all the time. And there are big things where that door is still not open. For some of us, I mean, we're all kind of on the front nine of our lives so far. Um, but for some of us, we might, there might be people in this room that we've held on to prayers for years and years and years. And so many things about our circumstances, so many things about what's happened say that that prayer is even further away, that it's impossible. 
But I want to encourage you that Jesus still says, those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door will be open. He promises us answers. There's all these verses he has about what we pray for in his name, what we really believe. He grants that. And you know what? I've wasted a lot of time complaining that prayers weren't answered. I've wasted a lot of time being discouraged. When honestly, the more I press in and the more I learn about prayer, it's the more just I will keep knocking. I'm not going to complain about how long it's taking that door to open because my job is to keep knocking. And honestly, I've had, I've had it happen where it's just like, that prayer's not going to get answered. And my heart, the way I have to train my heart is I refuse to settle for anything short of an open door. <laughs> I refuse. I'm not going to settle for less when Jesus says nothing's impossible for those who believe. I'm not going to settle for less when he says, pray in my name, it'll be given to you. I'm not going to stop when he says, if you keep knocking, that door will be open. Because this parable, when his disciples say, how should we pray? He says, pray as this needy, stubborn, persistent guy that won't even leave me alone. And I almost have to put my relationship aside because of how insistent this guy is. But let me tell you something, he gets what he needs. I love that Jesus encourages that. He says, be that guy. <laughs> so my question for us is, how are we praying? I'll be really honest with you guys, just on a purely practical thing. I have prayer requests in my little eye calendar that every day, same time, I get a little beep and it has a list of just prayer requests that I pray for daily. I have ones for weekly, I have ones for monthly. But I have to do that because otherwise life becomes life and things fall off. But there are certain things that God has told me to pray for. There are certain things that I just petition that are so close into my heart that I want to pray for daily. And knowing me, knowing I forget, knowing things happen, I say, I'm going to set this alarm every day to remind me to pray. <laughs> every single day. And I'll tell you something about that. There's days when that intercession, it's still the most passionate, important thing in my life. But there's, things, there's days when it's another day when I've said the same prayer or prayed for the same thing for like the thousandth time. And honestly, I don't feel passion at that moment. All I feel is something mechanical. All I feel is that door still hasn't opened yet, but I still say, I'm gonna pray for this every single day. <laughs> every single day. Because you know what? My Lord is not my feelings. <laughs> my Lord is not, it's mechanical today or it's passionate today. That is not my Lord. My Lord is Jesus who says, keep asking. Because those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. And those who knock, the door will be open. And so what I really just want to say, just to wrap it all up, is that we need to be persistent in our prayers. We need to not give up in our prayers. We need to keep going. We need to remember what we're praying for. We need to remember who we're praying for. And we need to keep knocking because we don't know where he is on the other side of that door. Um, so, yeah, just don't give up, guys. I'm going to pass it over to my awesome sister, Emily, and we're going to continue from there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, okay, so we're going to continue on this prayer, and I'm going to talk about intercession and your heart and what happens in our hearts when we pray for things. So um, I want you guys to think about something in your life that you're really passionate about. And think, how much do you think about that thing that you're passionate about? And I'm not talking about Jesus, because we all know we're passionate about Jesus. That's why we're here. But what's something like a hobby or a sport or something in your life that you think a lot about? 
we, you're passionate about that thing and your heart is excited about that thing because you've spent so much time thinking about it, right? Think about like professional athletes. They spend a lot of time uh, working on their sport and they think about it and they analyze it from every, every different angle and they're excited and they're passionate about it. When we spend time in prayer about specific things, our heart gets excited about it. So when we think about it enough, our heart suddenly becomes engaged and, and clicks into that thing. And it's kind of that, like, your mind, when you say, okay, I'm going to set aside this time every day to pray for this, or I'm going to, whether I'm excited about this or not, I'm going to pray. And then suddenly your heart becomes engaged because you're spending so much time thinking about it. And then as our heart, become engaged, our heart becomes engaged, our hearts shift, and that shifts our mindsets because we renew our mind. It's kind of this like this circle, circle of life. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was just listening to the idol message earlier podcast and it said that anyways. Um, but it's, it's this pattern. But what I want to and I think about it like, OK, let me explain it this way, because you're all just kind of staring at me. How many of you have ever had a crush on somebody? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. Thank you. So Gabe has had a crush on somebody, so at least someone's going to relate to this part. How m when you have a crush on someone, you think about them, right? So the more that you think about your crush, the more you start to like them because your heart gets focused on them. Does that make, more s does that make sense, guys? You're, does that make sense? So it's the same way with prayer, but in a good way. Like if we think, if we spend so much time praying and thinking about the crux, our heart, or the crux and the campus, our heart is going to become engaged with that. Our heart is going to get to this place where suddenly we're passionate about it. And if you don't feel passionate about something, pray about it. I'm serious. Like if you are bummed about the way things are going in our country and you want to have a heart to change things, start praying about it. Because not only your prayers are going to shift things, but your heart is going to shift and you're going to have a different mindset in regards to it. Anything you want to see changed, we pray about it. It affects our hearts and it kind of gets down in us to where it like resonates with inside of us. And we have to become engaged and we have to get our hearts engaged. If we want to catch God's heart for something, we pray about it. Because when we, when we spend time in prayer and seeking God on something and asking him about it, not only do we, like, our hearts get engaged and excited and we become passionate about it, but we get God's heart for it. We say, okay, God, what are you doing on the campus? And he shows us and he tells us and we get excited because of what he's doing. Or God, what are you doing in the nation? What are you doing over here? And as you, you become excited because God's then sharing you his heart with it. And, and we start to get to this place where we, come, we become engaged. And that's the key sometimes I think when it comes to prayer is to get our hearts engaged with what's going on. And, and we don't have to feel it because there's going to be times where you don't feel like it. There's going to be times where you're in a place of praying and you feel like you're supposed to pray and you just are not feeling a single thing and then there's going to be the times that you pray and something shifts and you're suddenly become like you're so on fire and you're going to be driving in your car and you're going to speed like a crazy person because you're so excited about this thing and you have to realize it I can't tell you there's been moments in me that I've been praying about something and suddenly something shifts in my heart and all these things start coming out that I never knew that I could pray for, that I never knew about this thing. And I'm praying and going after it and then I look down and I'm going 80 miles an hour and I slow down. Because you become so excited, your heart becomes engaged. 
You know what I mean? We, we, we get passionate about it. It fires up within us. It doesn't just like fire our hearts up, but it gets our adrenaline going. It gets us saying, hey, God, I want to see breakthrough in this area in my family. God, I want to see breakthrough in the campus. God, I want to see breakthrough in healing, whatever it is. And we get excited. Our adrenaline starts going. We start getting like pumped about it. It has an actual physical effect on us. Good. It says that um, it's like... Shoot, I'm going to mess it up. But it's like good news. Like it brings nourishment to your bones. and might be like laughter or something along those lines. But it's in Proverbs, and it talks about how it brings nourishment to your body. When you pray, even if you're just praying for something that has nothing to do with health, it does something to you. It shifts something inside of you, and you become excited about it. And if, if I'm just going to throw this one out there because the Lord reminded me of this. If you are doing a fast and you're struggling with being hungry, pray because you're going to forget about what being hungry is because you're going to be so hungry for God and so focused on what he's doing you're going to completely forget about the physical hunger it sustains you if God's God is more than enough to sustain us he is more than enough to sustain us and when our hearts become engaged with prayer our hearts become excited about what God's doing then everything kind of starts to shift in us and I was thinking about how when how the Bible talks about how Jesus Made inter- makes intercession for us. Did you know that? That Jesus prays for you? I just think that's so cool, and it makes me so just excited to know that Jesus doesn't only hear my prayers, but he prays for me. And, and I was looking at uh, John, and as Jesus, Jesus has prays for his disciples, and he prays throughout his entire uh, walk with God, and we see him constantly getting away to go and pray. Jesus is constantly walking away to pray, and, and we can go a million different ways with what he's doing there, and the importance of spending alone time with God, and the importance of time in prayer. But he he prayed for us. He made intercession over us. And so not only was he praying and his prayers impacting, but he was catching more of God's heart for us. He had to go to the cross. It was the hardest thing on earth to do. And he had to have a heart for that. Like, you know what I mean? He had to know what, he had to love us. He had to get God's heart for us to have the strength to muster through that. Because he knew his call. He knew that he was supposed to do it, but he had to get strength to be able to persevere through that. You guys catching this? So, I found it really interesting that most of in the Gospels, when they talk about right before Jesus died, they talk about how he prayed and said, Lord, like, take this from me. And, he, and he's praying and the issue with the disciples not listening to him. But in John 17, John actually documented what Jesus was praying for before he left, before he went to the cross. And this blew my mind because what did he pray for in the moments before Judas betrayed him? He prayed for us. He prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. And I want to just kind of, we're going to skim through John 17. And he's saying, and in the beginning, Jesus is saying, God, he says, Father, in in 17.1, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might have eternal life to all those who you have given him. And he's just saying, Lord, I want you to be glorified through me. And in, in, and in uh, verse 6, he says, I have, revealed you to those, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. He's, pr- he's talking about the disciples here. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. 
I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them from the power, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Well, I while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except for the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, then, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So he's praying, there he's praying for his disciples. He's saying, don't take them out of this, but God protect them. I've been protecting them while I'm here, so you protect them now. But I want to, this is the, the next part that I really wanted us to see is, He's praying, then he shifts and he starts praying for them, the church, for the church. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. But let me, I'm going to read that again because I think this is so awesome that this is what Jesus was praying before he left. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus was praying for us before we went. Jesus made intercession over us and his heart was so passionate about us because you know what the next thing he did is he went to the cross and he died for our sins and he rose again. We, like, Jesus, his heart was engaged, not only in prayer, but with God, and he knew what God's heart said, so it gave him the strength to go and do what he had to do. Sometimes we are going to be outside of our comfort zone when it comes to things like concert in the parking lot or passing out um, flyers because maybe we are not used to talking to people or maybe we're scared to evangelize or whatever it is. But I'm going to guarantee you that when you pray, it's going to give you the strength to get outside of your box and do the things that are uncomfortable for you. Because I'm going to guarantee you that the crux wasn't the crux the cross was uncomfortable for Jesus, right? But he prayed for us, and he prayed for what he was doing, and it gave him the strength to overcome. And his heart was engaged so that he could go and do it. And what we have to do is not nearly as hard as that. So when we pray and we engage our hearts with what God is saying, whether that's go to Africa, when that's passing out. Um, flyers and that's talking to people at the concert are it's going to be so much easier because God's going to say I know that that's uncomfortable for you but I'm giving you the strength to get through it because your heart's engaged and you can see the people the way I see them you can look at them and see I know that you need Jesus and I'm going to come outside my comfort zone and speak with you because God's given me the strength and I have a heart for you does that make sense guys all right 
And I just, I'm just going to pray real quick because I feel like I'm supposed to. So God, I just thank you so much that our hearts are becoming engaged with what you're doing. God, that we, as we pray and we seek your face for the campus and for the crux, God, that, that our hearts shift and become engaged with what you're doing. God, that, that we can get your heart for these kids, for these students. God, that we would see what you're doing ahead of time and go after it. Thank you, God, that you're giving us the strength when our hearts are engaged to push past discomfort, to push past comfort zones and go after these people and just love on them just like you would thank you jesus for what you're doing and thank you god for giving us hearts for prayer thank you lord In jesus name amen all right back to pastor Angel. Yeah, come on we're gonna man that's just this is like just good stuff man um, I just, I love that. I love the persistence. I love the, that you gain people, you gain God's heart. I remember listening to a missionary named K.P. Yohannan, and he's a missionary to India, and I remember hearing him when I first got saved, maybe like two, maybe I was about two years old in the faith, and yeah, <laughs> I was a little baby, but I can still remember. No, I, <laughs> but I remember him talking about, he would get the world map, and he would pray over the nations. And when he would pray over each nation, he would weep over the nations. And the conviction that he said that with, you know he wasn't just telling a story to make a good, a good point. Man, the dude was, he would weep over the nations. And I just remember, I, I don't know if this is the right word for it, but I remember just having a godly jealousy for that. Like, God, I want to cry for the things that you cry about. Jesus sat and he looked over Jerusalem and he wept over his people. Have you ever wept for anybody when you're praying for them? I mean, can you, can you imagine that? I mean, all this stuff, this is all amazing stuff, but it's, it's, it doesn't work unless you do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we, we could, you know what I mean? We, we could hear all these things and get inspired, but man, when we do it, you actually find out what they're saying is for real. I mean, I've I found out that I learn more by doing than I do just by being in a classroom setting. And I found that when I put my faith to, to work, I would find it. And I remember sitting on a bus in Brazil. The first time this happened to me, I were in 2005, I was in Br on, a, on a bus in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. We're doing evangelism. I'm sitting on a bus and I just looked out at this dude walking on the street and I just started weeping and I couldn't control it, man. I was like, oh. My friend's coming up to me. He's like, um, are you okay? You know, like a mission trip, you don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there a demon tormenting you or what? You know what I mean? Like, are you sick? You know, you don't know what it is. So they're like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, dude, God just loves people, man. And I remember the first time this happened. And in times past, you would just pray for people. And all of a sudden, sometimes your prayers are your tears. Sometimes God hears, it talks about groans that words cannot express, the scripture says. I, I really believe the Holy Spirit is interceding through even our tears. I really believe this. The question is, have we pressed, Emily spoke about pressing kind of, and both of them, pressing past the, I'm not really feeling this. I'm not really getting the emotion behind it. We press past that threshold of living uh, governed by our emotions and we press past that threshold and begin to experience what it's really like to feel God's heart for people. I guarantee it will not happen if you have a prayer life that's once every few weeks. You know what I mean? But when your prayer life is, I, pr I press past a threshold and I, and I, if I have to, I put a timer on my, <laughs> I put a reminder on my phone and I pray for these things. And all of a sudden you begin to feel the Lord's heart for things. And you're driving by things like, oh, dude, and you 
just tears come, not because you're trying to be super emotional, but because the Lord's heart is touching you. The last thing I want to say is this, and then we're going to get into groups. Um, we talked about pray for the harvest. We talked about persistence in prayer. We talked about feeling God's heart for the, the things that we're praying for. And I want to say this last point on the prayer for the harvest. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 6, 36 but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. A few things I want to say about this. One of the signs of a ripe harvest is the people who are weary, harassed, and scattered according to Jesus. He looks out, sees a whole bunch of people who are weary, scattered. One translation says harassed and helpless. And he says, hey guys, there is a lot of harvest going on here. So when you see people going through stuff, just know that it's about time for God to break through in their life. The interesting thing though about praying for the harvest is that Jesus said in this passage not to pray for the lost, but to pray for the laborers. Is that not crazy to you? He did not say, the harvest is plentiful, and so what you should pray for is that people get saved. I'm not trying to contradict the first thing I just said in the beginning. I'm just trying to say there's two sides of praying for the harvest. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he said, so you got to pray for the laborers. Not for the lost, but for the laborers. And that's you and me, because the deal is, is that believers get intimidated, people get attacked, stuff happens. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, because the reality is, is that the devil's lying to them. And people get attacked when they step up to serve God more. It's just the way it is, man. I remember some guy a few years ago, he joined the worship team. Uh, a couple months later, he says, man, I don't know what is going on, but it feels like ever since I joined the worship team, all hell is breaking out in my life. I said, welcome to the club, brother. <laughs> How do you, you don't know how to say, what do you think? You don't know what, nobody, this is what, when I preached on Sunday a few days ago, I said that the anointing cost, and that's exactly what I mean. Nobody, 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 nobody knows until you actually pay the cost to walk in the anointing of God. You can, you, you can look at people, and that's what I mean. People, we criticize so many people, and we don't know what it costs them to actually stand on that platform and to release the presence of God like they do. Whether it's in this church or in, in another, another place, man. We, and we, the only thing, sometimes people, man, they point out everything they did wrong. And I'm going like, do you know how much it costs for him to lay his hand on you and that you just got healed or you just experienced breakthrough? Or him to preach that word that actually he experienced in his own life or she, you know, you don't know what I'm saying. I'm like, you don't understand, man. And why, why am I saying this? It's because believers get attacked and we get taken out sometimes. And I'm just, just the, the way it is. Why do you think Jesus said pray for the harvest or pray for the laborers? It's because people, I guarantee, man, you step up. I'm gonna, I just want to serve in the parking lot. I, I just want to serve and, and help in the Crux concert in the parking lot. Man, it's weird. It is really weird when things happen. On an extreme level, one of my friends, man, he, he, he took a step up to go to Uganda one year when we went a few years ago. And literally, 
stuff just started breaking in his house. Like, I mean, like he would, he, like he pulls up, like one day his car broke and then all the, like random stuff. Like the second he starts turning in his deposit to go to a mission trip. And I'm like, hey man, you know, like <laughs> I'm not trying to say we should expect stuff to fall apart in our lives, but all I'm trying to say is the devil's a liar and he's gonna try to ruin your life. His mission is steal, kill and destroy. You know what I'm saying? Like. And his mission is really, whether, whether people are believers or pre-believers, we all have an enemy. And his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's either to take people to hell or to make them distracted, discouraged, and disqualified on their way to heaven so that they make a minimal impact on the earth while they're here. That's just the way it is, man. And so, man, I, I'm just saying we need to pray. We, the church, we need to pray for the church. We need to pray for the laborers. We need to pray for the lost, but we need to pray for the laborers because the thing is, is that we will get attacked. And that's just, that's kind of like, I take it as a, a compliment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, you know what I mean? If I wasn't a threat, then they wouldn't, do, they wouldn't care. I'd just be, just, that's cool. Just leave this homie to the side because he ain't doing anything to affect the gospel anyway to bring the kingdom of God. So, you know what I mean? He's already distracted, discouraged, and disqualified. So I'm, I think I got him. So let me work on somebody who's actually doing something. And so some of us don't realize that we, we take three steps forward and feel like we took five steps back, but it's just because you're actually doing something. You with me on this? Come on, man. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I, there's so many stories we could tell on this, and, and I'm sure that the Africa team that just got back could tell us stories about this. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I say mission trips only because it's a really, really tangible experience on that, but when I say, you know, even doing a message on a Thursday night, leading worship or preparing to serve and to just do setup and, or, or to do like, hey, I'm going to put the lights or I'm going to put the table, I'm going to put the snacks out. All of that is actually impacting the, the, the people for the gospel. And what we don't realize is that sometimes we get sucker punched by the devil and we thought it was just a bad day. And we say like, oh, I can't come today because I have this issue, this issue, and I got really busy. That's just not really the truth sometimes. The truth really is, is that we feel disqualified, discouraged, and defeated, so we don't want to serve God anymore. But you forgot that we actually got signed up for a war. And the armor of God is not for golf players, it's for warriors. You with me on this? Like God didn't say, here, put on the full armor of God and then just stand there and don't do anything. People who wear armors are called warriors. <laughs> Come on, man. He wouldn't tell us to wear the armor of God unless we're in a war. And all I'm trying to tell you is that maybe the things that you're experiencing is the devil trying to discourage you, distract you, and disqualify you so that way you make a minimal impact on the earth. And it's not that you're so busy and it's not that you have all these things. Man, the reality is everybody in this room has problems and everybody in this room gets attacked and everybody in this room needs to remind themselves daily of the love of God and the grace of God. That's the reality. It's just that you come into the church and you see people passionately worshiping God and you wonder what the heck is wrong with me because I do not feel like this right now. <laughs> it's because they have made a decision. It's way beyond their feelings. I made a decision. It's like the old hymn say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I've made a decision. I don't know about you, but I've made a decision. I literally myself have made a decision that I will follow Jesus the rest of my days. And it will be in his strength and it will be by his grace. But I've made a decision that he is the Lord of my life and he always will be. And so no, nothing that the devil throws me will be able to get me to turn from that. 
Have I, been, have I been tempted to and have I wanted to? Yeah, you bet your top dollar, dude. I, I'm telling you, there's been so many times I want to throw this microphone in the trash and break my, every single one of my guitars and run as far away as I can. But the problem is he lives inside of me and I just can't get away from him. <laughs> it's hard to get away from yourself. And so all I wanted to say was Jesus said, pray for the labors. And in... in, in and yes, pray for the people that get saved. I really believe that. You heard me say that. But you have to pray for the people who are doing it because they're going to get it, the, the, the foot of the devil in their forehead and you just need to pray that the Lord rebukes it. You know what I'm saying? Super, super simple. But, but I'm telling you that because the people that are sitting next to you need your prayers. They really do. And I need your prayers. I'm telling you, you cannot do this unless someone's praying. That's why Paul, when he's, and, and, and I I'm, I'm promise I'm done after this last thing. Um, that's why Paul, when he's writing, you can read at the end of Ephesians, you can read in others, other of his letters. He actually says, please pray for me. He, do you re- he doesn't, a lot of Paul's, the apostles' prayers, he doesn't say, yeah, pray for, you know, uh, all these other people. A lot of times he's saying, pray for me. At the, at the end of Ephesians 6, he says, please pray for me that I should, that I could preach the gospel boldly, fearlessly, and courageously as I should, for which I am in chains. He said, you know, he's like, He's in jail, chains clinking off of him, and he's saying, please pray for me so I can still have boldness to preach the gospel. And it's just like, man, we, we need each other. We need each other to pray for each other too so that we could stay in the game and stay in the harvest and remember what's most important, people. I mean, aside from the person of Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. So here's the deal. Let's all... Um, what I want to do, we're just going to take a few minutes for this. We've all, we, we interceded together before. We're going to take a few minutes for this tonight. All of this is training ground. It's in, And the thing is, is that we have next Friday night to spend five straight hours. You can come for an hour. You can come for ten minutes. You can come for five hours. I don't really care. You can stay there for until the next, you know, whatever, next Sunday. I, all I'm saying is that, like, like you pray all day. I'm, I'm down with that. So we're going to have time to do a really extended time. But tonight... I want to just take a few minutes together so and just and to intercede some more. So let's just find a, find groups. Real simple. We're not going to do that whole thing we did last week with exit buddy. All that. Just find groups of like three to five people and just and just join with them real quick. Go for it right now. There you go. And uh, you can make a circle. You can stand. You can move chairs. Whatever it is, you got thirty seconds to find your group. Spread yourselves out. Pray with people you haven't prayed with in, a, you know, in some time. And David, were you able to put those prayer points up or did I give it to you too late? Sweet. Um, and then uh, Maestro Jacob's just going to give us some music, but just join. And we're just literally just going to join together. And we're going to pray together. What does that look like? It just looks like when someone's praying, you're saying yes and amen. You're saying, come on with that. You're, you're agreeing with them, encouraging them. You're saying, I echo that echo. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> I echo that. That was a good prayer. Amen to that. And you're just going to join. You can, you can go for it. And we'll, we'll, we're just going to take a few minutes. And there's some prayer points up there to pray for. Let's go for it and do it. Come on. Catching your heart, God. I can feel it in the room. And God, I'm thanking you for that, Lord. I pray that you continue to stir our hearts for this stuff, God. 
And, and, and Lord, we, we just bless you tonight. We bless the, the stirring in our hearts. I bless the, your people tonight. And God, we thank you that you, just like Emily was sharing, that you give us your heart, God, as we hang out with you, your heart rubs off on us. And so God, increase that in our lives. We worship you. We give you praise. And we thank you for the impact that's happening. These prayers tonight are literally doing something. It's awesome. So we bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Listen, you, you, amen. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah, sorry. There, 